What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another edition of the State of the Nova Nation podcast from VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And Pat, we can exhale. Villanova finally got its marquee road win during Big East play at the Cintas Center against the Xavier Musketeers on Wednesday night. 64 to 60 was the final. And as people listen to this on Thursday morning, hopefully the uh, the blood pressure has gone down a little bit, but we are recording immediately after the game. And I'm sure you feel the same way as me, Pat. The blood is still pumping right now. Yeah, I say, what are we, 15 minutes after the end of that game? Uh, <laughs> blood pressure definitely has not returned to normal whatsoever. Uh Oh, these boys don't like to do anything easy, do they? they uh, just just they had really to don't. had to stress us all out. Listen, when it comes down to it, that is a just massive is the word that comes to mind when being able to do so in conference on the road against a damn good Xavier team uh, in Centos. You would just keep on adding thing on, on and on right. and on. Um, whew, you, it, I know they stressed it out there, especially in that second half. But wow, what a, what a big win. It's so funny because I even looked at the numbers from this game and they're really just abysmal. Some oh, of yeah. these shooting numbers. Both teams. Like, it's just, <laughs> just atrocious. It's atrocious. And I was just riding high for the majority of this game because I told you right before we started recording what it was for the last six or seven minutes when Xavier cut it really close. That's what I was expecting it to be for the full mm. 40 minutes. So, the way that Nova played in the first half and the way Xavier looked in the first half was just this added bonus. That second half Xavier, that's the 17th ranked team in the country. That's the team that could potentially get a deep run going in March, not that first half version. So yes, it brought up questions of can Villanova close. They're not a good second half team. I think it's much more important to notice just how good Xavier really got in the in the last half as opposed to the first yeah paul paul scruggs i think had what two at halftime and then yeah. finished with 15 and he's their guy so he really turned it on for them um it's funny because i remember in the preview we we're talking about on tuesday i said oh there's no way xavier scores 20 points and a half again and then we go inside two minutes the first half and xavier is sitting on 20 points before they go on that 7-0 run kind of to end the first half so uh it, it's crazy kind of that we haven't seen villanova get xavier's best uh, through two matchups now with, with the cast being able to sweep them, but we saw a lot better, you know, Xavier kind of performance there in the second half, which really saw them claw this thing. Listen, they got it all the way back to a tie, you know, at one yeah. point before Nova took the lead. I would have put money that this would be much more leaning towards an offensive explosion as opposed to a rock fight. Mm. And it seems like every single time I think the offenses are going to explode. It's the polar opposite. It's the Baylor games it's the Tennessee games. It's this game, 64 to 60. That's so low, especially coming off the conversation we had on Tuesday when we were talking about potential fear in Villanova's offense. And once again, the defense stepped up in this game. And you mentioned you called the DePaul game a tale of two halves, and this one brought that to an entirely new level. Oh, oh, one, 100%. You, so let's look at Xavier, too, with what they did have done on offense recently so throw out that first Villanova game where they finished with 58 points their last couple games 87 points 80 points 86 points 83 points 96 points this team can score the basketball and Villanova yes part of it is that Xavier was missing shots but a big part of it is that Villanova's defense has been so improved and I'm going to continue to harp on it because the offense still freaks me the hell out at times and we can talk Mm -hmm. about that in a little bit um but that defense continues to to make strides and we saw it again holding Xavier to 60 points a team that is really good on offense that's a big accomplishment especially doing so on the road just looked up Ken Palm have you checked Ooh, it out? Our favorite. No, I haven't seen the updated stuff. Moved up to fourth overall. Okay. Offense, I believe, stays the same at seven. I think it that sounds right. Seven. That sounds yeah. right. Defense, drum roll, please. 14th. That was a really good Six. drum roll. Thank you. <laughs> Six point jump. That's what I'm talking about. All of these different guys. Caleb looked good on defense. Justin Moore looked good on defense. Colin Hello, had some Dixon. good. Yeah, Eric, he deserves mm-hmm. a 25-minute segment <laughs> where I am just going to soliloquize about how good Eric Dixon was in this game. But you're exactly right. Yes, Xavier might have been rusty, but the bottom line is that Villanova forced them into making uncharacter- 
uncharacteristic mistakes. It also forced probably the best player on that roster, Zach Fremantle, to be an entirely non-entity in this game. He was non-existent. No, he was non-existent, which is is so important. I mean, as you said, Villanova was up to 14th defensively for Ken Palm rating. That (laughs) that's the best it's been since 2018, of course, when they won a national championship where they finished as the 11th ranked defense. So they're making huge strides there. If anything, that really is the surprise of the season for me is how Mm. strong defensively they've done it. And, you know, going to Fremantle is where I'd like to look to because no, I don't think we've seen the Zach Fremantle kind of, especially of last year, a guy that was an all big East first teamer, you know, coming back from the foot injury, he's definitely closer to full health. And we've seen him as he continues to get more game time, but to hold a guy that's as talented as Zach Fremantle, a guy that has scored over 20 points, uh, you know, in, in, I, I don't want to say multiple games this year. Cause I don't have it in front of me, but I know he's done it at least once. Um, yeah, you know, the potential. Yeah. And I, I know he's done it this season. Um, you know, the guy that can stretch the floor that can really disrupt things on the interior, pull him to one of six from the field and three points. That's huge. That is huge. Cause we've, we've seen Villanova struggle with bigs at times this year, you know, think back to UCLA, think back to Purdue, think back to Creighton part one. So to be able to hold a really talented forward player to three points and really never be able to get into a rhythm huge step forward yeah i was gonna say a really versatile athletic offensively very gifted he's efficient yeah Yeah. gifted thank you uh it was remarkable and i I don't think Fremantle is i don't think health is necessarily a question anymore what i was going to say is that they forced him to lose his starting spot in the second half Jack mm. Nunji started in the second half. Nunji played a lot. That, he did play a lot. And that we didn't see as much of Nunji in the first game. We saw much more Fremantle and it was completely switched this time. And that was how in my mind, Xavier got it as close as they did because they finally got Nunji going down low, but it was remarkable to watch Dixon just completely eliminate Fremantle from the equation on both sides <laughs> defense. He couldn't do anything. Dixie Dixon was bodying him up. And then every time he touched the ball, he either put up a contested shot or all those bunnies that didn't fall at the beginning of the game. Yeah. So two blocks is what we have kind of in the box score for what Dixon did on the interior, but the amount of shots that he altered with, mm-hmm. with, you know, being in the lane, using that body, throwing the hands up and, and contesting shots. That was as impressive as I've impressed as I've been watching him on defense. Cause I think at times, you know, he's, he's still growing into that role as kind of a, a post anchor down there to, to try and hold things together for, for Nova on the low block. We, we seemingly say it every game, it's normally on the offensive end with him, but defensively here, just the progression that we continue to see out of this guy, why Villanova is where they are right now, clearly an analytics darling. I know as much as our eyes can say, you know, that there are still some issues with this team. That's totally fair, but you know, Ken Palm's got them as four overall. We just talked about the defense being up to 14. I think the offense is like seven. Yeah. Eric Dixon is as big a part of that as anyone at this point. Completely the X factor of this season. If (laughs) the amount of time we spent stressing about Eric Dixon this summer and wondering how he would match up and wondering how the size disadvantage that we thought would loom so large throughout the entire season, they would have to play small ball. And nobody is thinking about that right now. In fact, Dixon is elevating this team to a new level that nobody thought possible. I think this was his first double-double of the season. I want to say it was. I think it's only his second career. Uh, again, I'm doing that off memory. I believe his first came in that Hartford game from a year ago. Um, okay. I think, at least. Like I said, I don't have him front. He of went me, off in that game. I remember He that. did. He did, which was yeah. awesome. Um, no, I believe this was his first double-double of the season. And I think back to our season preview, I mean, I downplayed it and said, like, let's yeah. not throw all of our expectations on Eric Dixon because I thought we were going to be asking a lot for him. And see what Samuels and Slater and all these other guys can bring. But no, it's been the opposite. It has been mm-hmm. Eric Dixon stepping up when we haven't gotten the production we need out of some of the other forwards. And it's just, it's so key. And, you know, you, you can hear how excited I am in my voice because I'm genuinely excited for the, what we've seen from Eric Dixon as a player right now. And then it's also tantalizing to think of what he can continue to develop into further. 100%. And I'm really glad that we're both pretty much completely angling this towards his defensive performance. Tonight. Yes. Because we've talked a lot about how his offensive game has grown. This was his defensive coming out party. Do you agree with that? I do. This was the best defensive game I can remember him playing. Definitely. Definitely. And okay. I'm going to ask you this too. 
Villanova seventh overall in offense, obviously, like we just said, that's that's pretty much ho hum for them. Do you think any casual watcher of Villanova basketball would notice how good their defense was this season? Do you think that's something that when you're talking about everyone's ta- everyone's saying Villanova's underrated now, which I think is just the most hysterical thing ever. <laughs> I don't necessarily disagree with it, to be honest. I really don't. But when people are talking about the top 10 teams in the con in the country throwing names out there. Do you think people mention Villanova's defense? No, I don't. And it's interesting. And why I think that is, is because they play defense differently. They play Mm. defense based on smart rotation, you know, bringing the right help. I want to bring the focus on how good of a boxing out team this is. You know, I think Fox brought up the stat that Villanova is undefeated this year when they out rebound um, the other team. And of course, even when you're boxing out players, you're not always going to get the rebound, but you're taking them out of the play. And that's what this Nova team, especially the guards, Caleb Daniels is a phenomenal uh, player down low in box outs. So when people think of the top defenses in the country, I think they think of crazy high pressure. I think they think of athleticism, like Baylor's the one that immediately comes to mind with how they can suffocate you with how quick those athletes can move around and, and being disruptive and stuff. But as we're seeing, especially on this Villanova team, It's not always about that. It's, are you in position? Are you able to get the rebound? Are you able to make that close out? Are you able to rotate on the weak side? And this Nova team has continually gotten better and better at that. So while I don't think they come to mind as, hmm, let me think about who's the best defensive team in the country. They certainly do all the little things that has put them up there where Ken Palm clearly really likes them. Yeah. And you know what I think it is too? This is on both sides of the court. It's control. Villanova controls the pace of this game by slowing it down and it's much more obvious on offense but they do that on defense too they make other teams play slow because otherwise they turn the ball over and that's exactly what happened to Xavier at the beginning of this game and if you go back all the way to the beginning of the season and if you listen to our UCLA recap you will hear us complaining about why Nova didn't do a better job switching when Jaime Hawkins was just taking Eric Dixon to the hoop. I was furious. Every single time. I was seething watching that game. Now, Eric Dixon can keep up with Paul Scruggs driving to the basket. Yeah, that's the thing. But, so That is so remarkable to me. It's interesting. How he's able to do that. Because Villanova still switches every time, pretty much. They, right. they, they very rarely fight through screens it's just defensively how they are set up is to switch but what i think they're better at is being to help each other out when the, mm-hmm. that mismatch comes in and i think that's been been really important as well because no i i you're, you're totally right go back to the beginning of the season the ucla one is the perfect example there's some other examples where dixon or even cosby roundtree when he was getting some minutes we're just getting put on an island and, and teams were really abusing that you're not seeing that anymore. And that's, that's huge. And those are big strides forward. Yeah. And I think it's also situationally too. This is the best shooting team that Nova has faced in a while. They didn't show it tonight, but on our preview episode, we talked about Johnson and Scruggs and Fremantle and Odom and Kunkel and all the different guys they can turn to for points. I definitely think they did Xavier did a much better job in the second half of catching Nova on switches. And when Moore wasn't face guarding Scruggs or Johnson, they took advantage of that. But when Nova gets off to that type of start and there isn't this huge disadvantage by having Dixon on one of their guards because he can keep up, it separates them. It allows them to get stops on defense turn that into production on offense. And then the other thing that was a huge differentiating factor and why Nova got off to such a hot start. Well, actually they didn't get off to a hot start, but why they were able to grow such a lead in the first half was because of those second chance points. And they have brought this intensity to 50, 50 balls better than arguably any team in the country. I can't imagine a team bringing that type of intensity that Nova did at the beginning of this game. Hashtag attitude. Uh, right. It's, it, it's you, cheesy, but it, it, really, it, is cheesy. it really is true. It, it is cheesy. But even when this team was going through its rough stretch, I, I listen, we even had a question about it. You know, you could never doubt the dedication and, you know, the, the drive, as you said, the extra effort, that's never been an issue. 
with this team. And now when things start to go right on top of throwing in that type of, you know, just playing the game that way, it helps. And it, it definitely can be a difference maker. They looked unstoppable in the first half. That was, I was literally doing laps around my house. Like I really don't tell people this very often, but especially I'm a huge Red Sox fan when the Red Sox were uh, in the postseason last year, when they were just pulling off insane wins, I would run laps around my house. And the first half of this game, that was me when Joe I was, Judge got fired. Yeah. Yo, Sorry. you deserved it. You should have <laughs> run a marathon when that happened, but I was up out of my seat, fist pumping and screaming. Like I was when the Red Sox were in the postseason. That's how excited I was. And this was a big East regular season game, but this is the type of Villanova basketball that we've been looking for. And it's why you and I both circled this game and thought it would be such a big deal because they did it on the road and I was going to end with it, but I have to say it now, Pat, Chris, and Rob, it is so sweet to tell you that you were wrong. And I was right. I was wrong. I I was wrong on this one. And I'm very happy to, uh, to be wrong on this, that Villanova was able to come away with the win here on Sintas. I think it's interesting because I, you know, like I saw your tweet about the best first half or best half of the season. I actually didn't think it was that great. I thought it really? was good, but I still think like Creighton part two was just the, the best I've seen mm. them play this year, especially just with the offense was basically a two man show. I know the ball movement was, was honestly fantastic, um, which is what we can definitely harp on for why things were good. But I, I would have liked to have seen a little more involvement from people. And I think Xavier just struggled to, to hit yeah. their stride. So I wouldn't go as far as you did, but I love that you are as confident as you are. And <laughs> what you as saw. happy as I am. No, I think that's great. Um, and then listen, you do have to, as we said, add in the factor that this was at CentOS Center as well. Yeah. Huge road win. So I'll, I'll try to explain myself a little bit. I think something that we talked about ad nauseum was jay's inability to adapt and there were so many questions about how he was handling the rotation and bench minutes and defensive sets and reliability or reliance i don't think reliability is a word reliance on the three and they weren't driving and he has he has changed he has completely changed the game plan of this offense and defense, because half the reason why I asked that question to you about if the basketball fans are saying that the reason why Villanova is a top 10 team, top five team in the country is because of their defense. When has Nova ever been known for that? They've always been known for their offense. And even more specifically, they've always been known for their three point offense mm-hmm. tonight against Xavier. They shot 20% from three. All about yes, the they, only, they <laughs> only scored 64 points. It's all about how they're playing in the paint. And it's all, about, it's all about how they're locking teams down on D. And people, that's change. That's adapting. That's being flexible. And Jay Wright proves once again why he's in the Hall of Fame. Let, let's talk about flexibility because I, I like that you got that because I, I can hit multiple points on flexibility for things where he was inflexible earlier yes. in the season first oh, off, and that's totally what i mean he yeah. it seemed inflexible at the beginning and now we're seeing this change first point uh justin moore and colin gillespie in the paint for most of this game back downs looking you know looking for kickouts looking for bounce passive guys cutting to the rim something that we did not see a lot of at the beginning of the season it was definitely a point of emphasis here um in, in this game second thing you go to the three-pointers Four for 20, I believe, was the mark uh, for Villanova from three, 16 of 33 from two. So a a substantial amount of more two-pointers than three-pointers, and they shot 49% from two compared to, you know, like an abysmal 20% from beyond the arc. And then the third thing, if we're just talking about flexibility here, is how the rotation has changed. Um, you know, first thing I look at Jermaine Samuels, I know they said he was dealing with a groin injury a little bit, but only played 18 minutes today. Mm-hmm. I, I would definitely say a part of that is the injury. I would also say a part of it probably is he's been very poor for a while at this point. So I, I could see that starting to move in there. We look at the bench, you know, Brian Antoine's role has continued to, to go up a little bit more. Uh, Jordan Longino got in the game again, and Chris Archidiacono did not until really the end and, and barely played at all. So again, you're seeing things shift now throughout the season with how he even handles rotation minutes and the bench, all different things. So when I look at those three different points, and I apologize to go on this monologue here, but I just, (laughs) I love that you talked about flexibility. There have been changes. 
And I think that is so promising because what were we so mad about? It was that it was maddening that the same thing was happening over and over and over again without anything changing. And things have started to change and we're starting to see some results from that. End well quote. Said. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, that's exactly what I wanted to say. You summed it up perfectly and they're on a five game winning streak. So that helps it, too. Winning always helps, really helps, as we say. <laughs> and I do have a thought after this that's going to make it a little bit more negative. But before we get to that, it's also interesting to see that the drive and kick for Gillespie at least is turning into a drive and drive drive and finish it drive is. and just yeah. take it all the way because his physicality under the basket is insane how he's able to take some of these guys in more the same way because driving and kicking to Slater and Samuels is no longer the best option because again it's great to see these minutes improve from the bench but there were six combined bench points and one was yeah kind of a Hail Mary Longino point, hey, which was hey, great. Don't to discount see. that. Jordan scored. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I, I was too. clapping and yelling, but it was end of the shot clock, really a Hail Mary. And da- and Daniels only had four. So yep. again, I, I think I said this before. I really do feel like Villanova's at its best point in the season in terms of bench depth, and they're still not not getting that much production from those guys. It's because Moore and Gillespie have as you said before, taking the game by the scruffs mm. and just controlled it. Yeah, so I, I guess we we can look there then because it's definitely a point that I wanted to get into and I think we have to get into it where I'm so happy about the defense. That, again, this is another poor night for the Colin Gillespie isn't a stud crowd. I just, I don't. <laughs> it's been a tough it. month for the yeah. Colin Gillespie. And there will be a game that he has an off game, but it certainly hasn't happened lately. Um, but I think the fears for this team offensively, especially that I have, because I know I've talked about it, with getting scoring, you know, outside of the Gillespie and more as, you know, Samuels and Slater combined for four and all four of them came from slate. I know he hit the big free throws down at the end. And then you saw what kind of happened with this team scoring output wise when Caleb doesn't have the best scoring game, only putting four points in here. It is a huge reliance on Gillespie and more. And I know Eric Dixon really stepped up, which is gigantic and very, very important. But the point remains that, it's a little concerning what can happen with those two forwards just just really struggling to get in any sort of rhythm right now. And then Caleb has had many good games in a row, so I don't kill him for you know going one for three with four points. But it shows how much how or how important his ability to score off the bench is to this team too. Yeah, that's a good point about Caleb. And I honestly thought he played really well on defense and boxing out too. So he I did. Yeah, he did. Felt less about this offensive performance. I'm gonna say it. I'm in full-blown panic mode about Slater and Samuels. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. I mean, I think – I actually meant to look back. I think for the subtitle of the pod, must have been last Thursday, so a week ago today when you're listening to this, Slater and Samuels must have scored like 15 combined, and I said they're back. (laughs) We're down bad when them scoring a combined 15 is them being back because – the alternative is this with Samuels putting up another clunker and Slater just continuing to pass up shots. Lack of confidence. I don't understand. I I understand a lack of confidence. I can't understand passing up multiple open looks. What is going through his head? He has always been this year, a good three point shooter He didn't have this horribly traumatic game like Samuels has. I get that point. Slater hasn't. Why isn't he catching and shooting the ball? So I will will give the listeners to a a look behind the curtain here. We are talking about this right now, and the great Eugene Repay just texted us from the Villanova press conference right now. Slater and Samuels both playing through injury. Slater's ankle is pretty bad. So Okay, so – it, it, it helps make a little – yeah, exactly. No, 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 but it, it makes sense. We talked about it on Tuesday. Samuels, it wasn't really discussed too much. Uh, for I didn't know Samuels was playing yeah. hurt. No, but Slater, there was mention that the ankle was bad, and it just – it felt like it because we were talking about he's not attempting field goals. So no. I, I could see that now. Samuels thing, I'm interested to see how far back this injury goes because he's been you know struggling offensively for a while now. A, a month at least a month at this point yeah so Slater was a game time decision for DePaul I had forgotten about that so yeah I, I mean I guess 
that definitely factors into it. If he's favoring that leg, he's not going to drive. I did think he had some physical drives in the second half. So that was encouraging to see, but it makes it tough when Mm -hmm. you're playing an opposing offense that's going to put up between 70 and 80 points and you have to rely on more and Gillespie to make half of their yeah. shots. And and Gillespie, I mean, this is what I say. I was so gung-ho about Colin Gillespie. He went two for 11 from three. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. But it didn't matter. He still had 21 points. Mm-hmm. He came through with the shots. Game was just, it's just funny. Yeah, it, it was. And then we'll, we'll talk about the other score, too, because, you know, I will never pass up a time to talk about Justin Moore. Um, mm-hmm. Justin Moore is a straight killer. Like just when it comes to clutch situations and when you need that shot to go down, when you need someone to stop a run, when you need that ball to go in the hoop, Moore's the guy I want taking the shot or finding a way to drive it. It's just, I'm so confident with the ball in his hand. I think he continues to grow into that role. Uh, I know we had kind of a a stretch in December there where we weren't getting the Justin Moore um, that I think we all know he can be. He did it again tonight where he was just, he was excellent. A great second option. I honestly wish he had more shots. He only had nine field goal attempts. I, I would have loved to seen the ball in his hands more. Cause it did feel yeah. like Gillespie was very ball dominant today, which listen, he scored plenty of points. I, I totally get that, but I, I want to see him continue to grow more into this offense because I think he's so important. Yeah. And I think the majority of the, it felt like the ball was always in Gillespie's hands because he was always under the basket trying to put up a layup, which we really haven't seen much at all this year. I completely agree with you. Moore in 2022 has been a different breed. He has been a different version, a better version of himself. And Colin Gillespie has made his reputation as the crowd silencer and the guy who Xavier's on an 11-0 run, a 9-2 run, whatever it is. Gillespie takes the ball, makes a mid-range shot at the elbow and silences the crowd when Nova's up to and they need a shot it does seem like Moore is transitioning very smoothly into that role and I never thought that spot would be relinquished by Gillespie yes it does um I'm I'm very excited to see how this continues to evolve uh, throughout the season yeah so do you have any different feelings about Xavier's ceiling in the Big East after this game it's a good question um I still think that this team is as currently constituted the second best team in the big East, which may be interesting because if we go back to my full 40, I had UConn beating I was just uh, going say. over twice. I UConn has kind of struggled with COVID stuff. They've had injury issues. I don't yeah. think this is as right now, the full blown Huskies team that they can be. And the question can persist. Are they going to be able to regain that form? Uh, as well Uh, they have a chance to do so against St. John's tonight unfortunately we can't watch it right now so I can't give you any commentary on that Um, so no I I still think the Xavier team is really really good and if I had to look at it I still put them right there uh, you know below Villanova I think Villanova's done enough here to kind of distance themselves as that number one team but throw them in you know, with the the Seton Hall, Providence, uh, UConn uh, of the Big East, and then it's where you want to rank them from there. Yeah, it's still early to do that too. It's still I, early. I agree with you that they're in definitely the upper echelon of teams. I do think though that this was more about what Villanova did than what Xavier didn't do. Mm-hmm. I think Villanova showed itself on both sides of the ball. I think we we've soliloquized about that enough about I'd how good so. they were on defense. <laughs> Dixon, especially on offense, he's never going to emerge as the tertiary scoring option that Villanova needs, but knowing that he can provide that again, how many, it's insane. How many times we say that he was severely outmatched outsized by Fremantle and Jack Nungy. And he won both of those battles. It's insane what he can do. It's insane. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I'm with you. This I've said it like eight times already, but th- this was just so big. And for, for, you know, buying into where this Villanova team is and the stretch that they have just gone on and the quality of op- opposition that they've beaten, throw out the Paul, but you know, the Creighton twice. Ouch. I know. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Creighton twice, Jeez. Xavier twice, Seton Hall. Um, you know, of course they lost that first one to Creighton, but playing them twice. Those are legit wins and to string the five in a row like that together. I'm, I'm just very, very impressed with where we think where we were a month ago and how yeah. we were talking. So uh, this is this, it's just all really promising. 
People were talking about Nova being out of the top 25. Ha, Come please. on now. They've got Butler Marquette, Georgetown, DePaul, St. John's Marquette next. Yep. Here, here's the that stretch to fatten up. Ten, exactly. 10-0 run. Let's do oh, it. That's what we're hoping for. In this conference, I bet you they drop one or two of them Yeah. Um, just because it's so difficult. But if there's an opportunity, as we said, to, to try to put some space between you and some other Big East teams, now Villanova gets another part of the schedule where they can do that. Yeah. I think I have uh, Nova dropping that first St. John's game. But anyways, I just want to make it explicitly clear when we were talking about that flexibility, adaptability point. We might have just not even said it because it seems like the obvious thing, but it all stems from ball movement. Oh, yeah. We were talking about how this offense looks stagnant and it looks, what's the opposite of stagnant? Just so active, just profusely flowing with different options and different versions and different wrinkles to throw opposing defenses. And these numbers aren't wowing you. Like we said, 64 points, 20% from, th- from three. And I don't even think the two point shooting was that great. 37% from the floor in general, but they just find ways to get it done. Might not be pretty, but they did it. And this is a huge win on the resume. I'm feeling good. My heart still hasn't gone back to normal now, uh, even as I'm, we get I'm further feeling away. I'm a little better. Oh, that's good. I'm feeling that's a little good. calmer. I'm, I'm glad. Um, yeah. But uh, whew, I feel good. <laughs> Me too. And we got a lot of good questions because this was a pretty active Twitter game, I would say. People, the people were talking. I would say so. You want to talk a little Butler first before we get into it or want to yeah. go to questions? We yeah, don't have let's to do talk too much on Butler, Butler, but we, we can talk a little Butler. Yeah, I honestly don't have much at all. I forgot that that was a thing. <laughs> that That's okay. I, I can take a little bit of it here uh, for Butler. So Villanova taking on Butler on Sunday. First Wells Fargo game of the season. So hello, everybody. If you can make it down, you know, always great to get into uh, Wells Fargo Center. Butler sitting there at eight and six right now. They are one and two in the Big East Conference. Their only win coming over to Paul. And then they dropped back-to-back games against Seton Hall and Xavier. They do play Georgetown on Thursday night before uh, playing Villanova on Sunday. So looking at this Butler team, uh, I'm low on this Butler team, which means they will come out absolutely firing on Sunday. Um, You're jinxing the, them. Yeah. Exactly. But this is a very familiar squad than what you saw last year for Butler. Chuck Harris, still the guy, you know, for them as he's in a sophomore year. who's was such, so good a year ago. Aaron Thompson, still the leader of that team. Not a scorer at all, but one of the best defenders in the Big East. Really strong distributor of the ball as well. We know about Bryce Golden. Jair Bolden, wow, I messed him up. Let's try that again. Bryce Golden, we know about the size he brings inside. And Jair Bolden, you know, has the potential to get streaky and score some points, but consistency is, is never really there. You know, overall, this should certainly be a game that, that Villanova handles just because Butler is, is not too gifted offensively and they've gotten blown out in their last two uh, Big East games against solid competition in Seton Hall and Xavier. And where it also kind of lines into Villanova's wheelhouse is Butler plays very slow, just as Nova mm-hmm. does. So I don't see them really getting uncomfortable there as we talk about controlling tempo. Yeah, it's... Hinkle seems to always give people nightmares, and I think for good reason, but this is not the Kamar Baldwin buzzer beater Butler Bulldogs that we have seen in the last few years. It's scoring. They can't score. They, they don't have any guy. I'm looking right now. I just had it up with the stats. Their leading scorer is Bryce Golden with 10.4 points. Actually, mm-hmm. him and Jaden Taylor are scored. They have three guys who score 10 points. That's it. In a college basketball world, that sees guys take over games and pad the stats. Butler doesn't do that. Yeah, they're a good defensive team, but when you have that little offensive production, it's tough for them to do anything. They're not particularly good shooters. They're not particularly good facilitators outside of Aaron Thompson. I think actually he might lead the league in assists. He might. That would that sounds about right. He me. might have last year too. So definitely in the the high tier of that category, but. I think um, LeVar Jordan is his last name, right? Yeah, LeVar Jordan. Yeah, LeVar Jordan. I think he's on the hot seat, and I don't think his tenure will go much longer because you would think that this team would take the jump. I really – you've been low on them forever. I had – forever this season, I mean. I had high expectations for them going into this year because they brought back nearly everybody. Yeah, pretty much. Chuck Harris had a phenomenal season last year. He's a stud. Thompson's healthy – 
Bryce Enzi is finally healthy. He's had such an up and down career and they just haven't been able to make anything out of that. Yeah. I, that, to your point. Yeah. I, I was never too high on this Butler team. I just, I didn't see it there. And as we look throughout what they've done this year, they beat Oklahoma, which I remember watching that game because yeah. it was during the Villanova Syracuse game. I remember that, that too. Yeah. yeah. So you'd be able to switch over in commercials. And I could not believe that they were able to win that game. Otherwise their best win Ken Palm ranking wise is over to Paul, which is 109th. I mean, it's Oof. a lot of wins against the, the central Arkansas, the Chaminades, the Eastern Illinois <laughs> of, of the world. So it's, yeah, and they lost by 30 to Purdue. Um, don't want to torch them on Purdue because we know how good Purdue has saw it firsthand. But this is not the, uh, as you said, Kamar Baldwin Butler Bulldogs. So Nova, I'm totally setting them up for to play down to the competition on Sunday. But uh, this should be a game where you feel good coming out of. Yeah. Again, this is their momentum stretch. Mm-hmm. I think. If these games are close, it will not be a good sign at all because these teams will either come out screaming or Villanova is just going to implode on defense. And I really hope the latter doesn't happen because they have slowly been surely pushing the boulder up that mountain and they're at the top and they don't need a a, a Bryce Golden to go about ruining that anytime soon. No, no, pre- preferably not in the first Wells Fargo game of the year. Let's, <laughs> probably not. Let's not. just try and enjoy that. <laughs> That'll be an awesome atmosphere. I'm bummed I can't go. Yeah, still, awesome. still figuring out if I'll be able to go to it, but. Uh, for hopefully uh, as many people listening can get down there and, and enjoy the game. Yeah. And hopefully on offense too, this is when Villanova can, can find that groove again. Again, these situational games, I think matter more than the fact that they put up 64 points, but they breached, they passed the 35% uh, three point shooting mark against DePaul. And I would like them to, they probably receded below that after this game. I'd like them to continue to, grow upon that yeah yeah definitely so speaking of big east stuff you want to do a quick look at the big east before we get into questions yeah let's whip around this weekend is going to be something pat and i have already talked about how we're going to be glued to the television because of football Mm. and wild card weekend but these big east games on saturday especially creighton at xavier seton hall at marquette uconn at providence which Fingers crossed, fingers crossed, fingers fingers crossed crossed. that happens. Providence is dealing with COVID issues in that game. I believe it was Tuesday night against Korean. Yeah. Postponed. We need this, these games on Saturday because I'm still heartbroken that Providence Creighton got postponed on Tuesday I know. night because I was so excited to watch it. <laughs> yeah, you, so now UConn-Providence will have to be that measuring stick game, and, and Providence has had already won. So they are UConn is obviously looking for that split. But I'm curious to see how Creighton's going to match up against Xavier because yes. you've got more of a size one-to-one with Kalk Brenner versus Fremantle slash Nunji. And you've got more of a preliminary role shooting people around them. So I think that's going to be kind of a rock fight too. Absolutely. And I'm watching Seton Hall Marquette where I'm so intrigued with, I can't figure Marquette out if I want to mm-hmm. take them seriously or not. And Seton Hall, this is a chance for them to go on the road and, and you know, try and beat a team that we know is incredibly active defensively uh, and, and see if they can really make their mark on, on a big, big East road game. It's funny because I was really high. I thought Marquette was going to be the dark horse of the conference. And you're right. I just don't know who they are yet. And I feel like I know. Yeah, I know who the other teams are. Creighton can show flashes, but they're not going to compete with the real top. Providence has shown that they can. St. John's is maybe another one where I think they have a lot more potential than they've shown so far. I don't know about Marquette yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat where I will watch them some games like when they blew Providence out and be right. like, wow, Shaka Smart Revolution is fully on in year one. And then you'll see other games where it is just a slog to go through because they're not super gifted offensively. Yeah, they beat Illinois at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. and then they got blown out by St. Bonaventures and blown <laughs> out by Wisconsin and they kept it kind of close versus UCLA. Yeah, they, they've got a weird, a weird schedule right weird. now. Yeah, so trying to figure them out has been difficult. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I'll be watching that game. And then we, we didn't mention uh, Tuesday night's Fox All Access game because we're going to talk about that in a question in a second because, of course, we can't Ooh. pass that up. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah, I still think the Big East is in a good spot. I really uh, think. As do I. Like one to eight or nine, I have pretty high confidence in. I love this conference. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's just go with that. I, I absolutely love this conference. Um, so All right. Be fun. Now I think we're ready for those questions, right? <clears throat> I would say so. Do you want to start with the, the Fox question? 
Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Just because uh, I adore this thing. Um, <clears throat> it segued perfectly. It, it did too. So coming in from John Palm, I always thank you, John, for, for sending in the questions. If Fox Sports did an all-access game with Jay as one of the coaches, like they did for DePaul and Marquette, which Big East coach would you like to be paired with them? So before we even answer that question, like just to talk about the Fox game, um, they do this every year and it is genuinely just, I make sure that I can watch that game because it is so interesting and so cool to be able to have these coaches mic'd up and being able to have cameras go in the locker room. Like even if we just skip to the end of the game, I was completely locked into Tony Stubblefield's uh, post-game perhaps to say press conference because that's what we're used to post game talk in the locker room to his players um about this is the big east you need to play defense we need more effort we need to see guys closing out it, it's just so cool and such an unique opportunity that the Big East does here and too like Shaka Smart was mic'd up this is one of the bigger coaches in college basketball yeah oh I love it I love it I love it so much so I, I just had <laughs> to do a soliloquy there yeah I missed it so did they choose when to turn on the mics no they're on the entire time time. wow Mm -hmm. it's so of course it's a little bit of a delay because there can be some uh, to quote arlo arlo white some fruity language used um (laughs) at times so of course can't have that come across on live tv but it is on pretty much the whole time yeah score check 36 31 uconn at half thank you for the score johns um so the question is who would you want mic'd up with oh right the question sorry (laughs) (laughs) Ed Cooley had been talked about. I love Ed Cooley, and I think yeah. he is a very good option. <laughs> I'm actually going to give it to Dan Hurley. Oh, I love it. I Dang, would you wouldn't be, be able to very... hear between Jay Wright and Dan Hurley. <laughs> the whole thing would just be bleeped out. I was just going to say, it'd be beep, 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 beep. Yeah. I'm just curious, too, when you have that alpha personality like Jay, how coaches coach against him. Mm-hmm. And what that, even the body language, what that looks like. Of course, Ed Cooley's another good, good pick. Ewing's a great pick. I love Travis Steele. But the first guy that came to my head was Hurley because I think he is no nonsense all the time. And I'd be curious to see if he lets that up at all, maybe at the end I, of the game. I like that because uh, I actually, I love reading his lips on the sideline when they show it anyway. <laughs> and it is just some of the most aggressive phrases you will ever, right. ever, ever <laughs> see. Um, I'm with Brandon Riley here where the first guy I thought it was definitely Ed Cooley because Cooley's mm-hmm. just the best and I love him. Hurley also would be in the conversation. You know, I'm going to give him honorable mention to, to Mike Anderson at St. John's. Uh, mm. I, I think he'd be a fun one to be able to mic up with, with kind of his reactions on the sideline. And I would love to see how he coaches that team, you know, with, with the defensive intensity and all that, like being able to be in the locker room for halftime and post game and all that stuff. I'd love to hear those talks. Um, he so. doesn't get enough love. No, I'm, I'm a big Mike Anderson guy. Yeah. I, I really am. So I, I think he'd be a cool one. I like that pick. Good one. Nice. All right. We'll keep moving through with the questions here. I mentioned Brendan Riley. So this is an interesting question. That he put out there. You've got enough marketing budget to ink one Villanova player to rep your business for NIL. Who are you signing? Okay, so when I first read this question, I thought it was every anybody in college basketball. Ooh. And my first thought was Paige Beckers. Because oh, I that's think she's Gatorade run away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Run away the most marketable athlete, maybe in college sports. She's so awesome to watch. So phenomenal. Hopefully she gets better soon. Yes. Um Villanova, there are Obviously, many, many good options. I thought hard about Jordan Longino, but I wanted to give it to somebody a little bit more established, and that's why I'm picking Eric Dixon. Okay. I I like it. I think he has so many different parts of his game that you can kind of transfer that to just him being a man of the community. He does a lot of different things. He can do many different things, and I think that's marketable. I, I like that. So I was I was trying to think through this question. So if you first think biggest star power, you would go Gillespie for, mm-hmm. for marketing. But I just I don't know if the outward personality is there as much. That that's <laughs> not to say like with his teammates, we know how much of a leader is and he has how much, but he's just he he very clearly isn't super interested in doing the whole outward personality for the cameras. And that's fine. Right. You know, it, it, it does what's needed for Villanova. But if I think marketing wise, I go away from that. Thought about Justin Moore, still a little soft spoken, as good as I think he is. So I am actually going with Brandon Slater. Yeah, because exactly, you know, we're we're old, but we're not old enough that we're still, you know, far enough out that we haven't had interactions with the players from when we covered it at Villanova. And 
every time got to talk with slate with, with interviews and press conference and stuff, his personality is so bubbly, so fun. Um, you know, I, I think that he'd be a really good spokesperson for anything. So I'm going with slate. Yeah. That's a good pick. I remember my senior year for the Villanova and we went to whatever their, um, like team media day was and mm-hmm. the Villanova would have a list of questions and they were fun ones and all the players on the team would answer them. And one of them was funniest teammate. And I kid you not, it was unanimous Brandon Slater yeah, selection. He, his, his personality is just awesome. Every interaction yeah. I had with him was, was always super positive. Yeah. Great pick. Love that. I had to come in from Jack McCall, a longtime supporter of us. So thanks Jack. Do you think Bill Raftery has anything to do with the winning streak? As a writing this, I believe they've won three or four with him behind the mic. Make that four or five. I love it, Jack. I love Bill. The stuff he says continues to blow my mind. I can't wait. As much as I like, um, is it Kevin Kugler? Uh, God, I think so. I do like Kugler. Yeah, he's pretty good. But um, Gus Johnson and Bill Raftery, give it to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. But it's always great having Raft to, you know, color on these. So I love it. Anytime we can get him behind the mic, they're always really fun. Uh, the full forge. This is definitely Chris. <laughs> I wanted us to talk about the refereeing, man. Chris, I'm I'm so annoyed, and I could use so many words, but you know we don't use them on this show um, to to describe the refereeing over the past week and a half, kind of of just how involved it is, especially when you think just of the history of this conference and what it means to play in the Big East and the physicality and all of that. And just to have all these ticky tack soft calls where there's any bit of contact, you know, being initiated or, or out there, it drives me insane to take the ball out of these kids' hands and, and you know, put it on, on the foul line or, or take kids out for, for fouling out over just the softest of things. And that's all I'll say on it to make sure I don't say anything else. Yeah, it's been a very extended amount of time. It, it has not been one game. It has not been a one-off situation. We led the show off on Tuesday talking about the refereeing. The ref show. That's, that's not what you want. It's been the ref show for three straight games now. Yeah, literally. It's, been, it's, it's been pretty bad. It's inexplicable. Tremaine Samuels fouled out with five minutes and 30 seconds left. Come on. I know. it's it, It's been rough. John Paul may also asked us kind of about the refereeing, too, and I, I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's been tough. Tom Gallo, I believe this is an arch supporter coming in here. How hard is it to sit on the bench for 39 minutes coming and inbound a ball in the final minute of a two-point game? And you know what? That's a really good point because I noticed that, too, that, that arch came in there. I'd imagine it's difficult, but, you know, we talk about Jay and we talk about how the rotation has changed. He still very clearly trusts the ball being in his in you know Chris's hands in a situation like that. So I I do think it's difficult for the situation yeah. that it came into. Don't you love making your first appearance with six seconds left in the game? <laughs> hey, hey, on, on the road oh, against funny. Xavier trying to close out a game. Oh. Two or four point game. Yeah. I heard Jordan Longino talk last week and he is such a smart guy, so well spoken. And he said, I think the question was, is Jay telling you that you're gonna get more minutes or do you not really have a game plan? You're just kind of rolling with the punches. And it was the latter. And he said, coach tells me at the beginning of the game, be ready whenever I call you and I'm ready whenever Mm -hmm. he calls me. And I imagine that is the mindset for all of the bench players. The thing that I was thinking about that must be tough is in the NBA, you see a lot of guys warming up on bikes in the back and finding ways to stay loose. That's the first thing that came into my head. How does he not pull a hamstring or something? He's inbounding the ball. So it's a little different, but Taking off your warm up jersey, immediately sprinting into the side, your heart rate is 190 miles per hour. That's tough. <laughs> the That's first tough. I remember seeing of Chris in this game was him doing like a, a secret handshake with Jermaine when he fouled out to be like, I got really? you. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that was the first I really saw of him on the on the sidelines with the Fox camera. So then to come in and inbound in such an important uh, possession, you know, to get it off like they did. Uh, as I said, I, I can't imagine it's easy and props to Chris for being able to do it. Cause I, I also can't imagine it's easy losing out on playing time as he has certainly had those minutes scale back. And he's a good sport about it. And everybody is to on Villanova's team. And that's a, an ode to Jay Wright too. He counts on his guys to be ready literally every, any given second. And you saw Chris Arch was able to do that again, safer. Yep. And then if I'm missing anyone, I'm sorry, but I think we got one more question. It comes from the aforementioned Eugene Repay, who, who, we, who we also, you know, reported live for us on that press conference. Who is your favorite mascot in college basketball and why is it the Blue Blob? So I was recently acquainted with the Blue Blob. <laughs> As in our, our group text with Eugene. <laughs> that was an interesting exposure, to say the least. 
I am going to give a cop out and say my favorite mascot in general. And it is also one that I heard of for the first time this evening. And it's the Galloping Ghosts. Eric Dixon's high school. Did you hear that? I, I did actually. Yes. Galloping <laughs> Ghosts is awesome. The Galloping Ghost is actually kind of cool. Very random. Not sure what that would look like. I, I'm I'm excited to hear what your college one is going to be because there are some very interesting picks it, that you could go with. There there are many, um, as we were discussing with Eugene, most terrifying 100% is the Providence Friar. I mean, that you can make Not horror movies based yeah. on on that guy. Oh, oh <laughs> God. Uh, you know, I always love the the animal mascots, a little Mike the Tiger at LSU, you know, mm. show Georgia some love with the national championship with Uga uh, as well. But if I have to go straight mascot, I'll give a shout out here to uh, to my roommate Jack, who's a big Wake guy. Demon Deacons Wake Forest, I, I think it's a cool one. So I, I, I'll go Wake. This might be kind of lame, but I always envied the St. Joe's Hawks. That hawk that was always out there. You envy? I pity I, the the poor guy that has to flap his wings for the entire time. So I wouldn't want to be that person, <laughs> but I do think it's cool. And his arms or her arms must be just insanely jacked after doing that because they have to flap for the entire game so i always thought that was a kind of a cool idea but i would never want to do it and there's some other weird ones like um the minutemen umass UMass. what is a minuteman what does that look like uh i don't know i i mean i guess we're going revolutionary war there so (laughs) just basically stealing the new england patriots of minutemen with the touchdown uh, that's awful though yeah it would be my guess but no it's college athletics we got plenty of uh plenty of interesting mascots uh throughout so um yeah and you didn't mention it, so I will. The Stanford yeah. tree. That one's got to be up there. You got to you gotta throw that one yeah. in there. So, no, to, totally Must. fair. Shout out Wildy Cat as well. Just this is a Villanova <laughs> podcast, so we'll do it. <laughs> Thank you. Poor Wildy Cat. God. No no problem. But uh, that was fun. That was good. Um, but this was, you know, a little different Big than. Win. Exactly. And this was a little different than a lot of our shows because this is straight game reaction, being that the game ended an hour ago. Um, but a lot of fun just to hop on here and, uh, and talk through some thoughts. Yeah, definitely. Thanks again for sticking it out. Pat is still not 100% healthy. He's coming off the IR soon, but we appreciate his grit and his dedication. Thank you. I apologize for any of the coughs you guys have heard throughout this. I've tried to mute as much as I can, but I can't always control it. (laughs) We're just glad your voice is back, Pat. Yeah, it's not last Thursday's voice, which was not pretty. So we're, we're getting there, but slowly but surely. <laughs> and I want to thank everyone for sending in their questions as well. We have a blast. Yeah, them. we love that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, lo- love all the support that, that everyone sends us. But okay, that'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation presented by VU Hoops. Be sure to check out VU Hoops for all the articles summing up this game and looking ahead to Butler over the weekend. Be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and follow us on Twitter at S-O-N-N-Pod. Everyone, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the Butler game on Sunday. And we will be back at it on Tuesday morning. Nova Nation, that's a wrap.